0: We're already in the what fourth week of uh, our study in Philippians, and encourage you to continue to read ahead and make use of those uh, the, um, scripture journals. There are maybe a few more in the back there. If anybody didn't get one, you'd like uh, that just walks through the, that book, and you can mark up together as as we go along. Many of you uh, know that I have two sons that uh, are now in the military. Uh, one of them is stationed uh, at Lackland Air Force Base down in San Antonio, Texas, and he's gone through basic and some other levels of training where they were restricted from leaving the base. And so now he has a, a bit of freedom on the weekends, uh, but no car to go anywhere. Um, and, and so a couple months ago, he had me purchase a vehicle for him. And, and we have been planning a trip to Texas to deliver that, and also to see a, another son down there who he and his wife uh, just gave us a grandson a couple months ago. And uh, we've set some dates for that, and we've made plans more than once, only to have them canceled for various reasons. And, And so we live with this belief that we're going to get to see them down there sometime, but we're not sure when. Plans are in the works again, but we know they could be thwarted. And our Air Force son lives with the perspective that he now owns a Jeep, and someday he might get to drive it. The Apostle Paul lived with some hopes and plans as well. There must have had a few disappointments and delays along the way. He was incarcerated under house arrest, not for only two months, but for at least two years. All of this because he was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he believed that he would be released sometime. And so he made plans for that, to go and visit Uh, folks back at Philippi where he had helped to start a Christian congregation there. But he waited and he waited and he waited with no change. And so while he was waiting he wrote this letter and in it he shares in some important words of guidance for that congregation. Words that would be relevant either way. Whether he got to come and visit them personally or not. Words that I believe are quite relevant to us too in the uncertain times in which we live. I invite you to look with me at at Philippians chapter 1 reading just verses 27 through 30 and would you stand in reverence to God's word. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent I may hear of you that I still have. Let us pray. Lord God, as we again look into your word here in Philippians, we thank you for the Apostle Paul, for his life and his testimony of your faithfulness to him and, and his, his faithfulness to uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts about our relationship with you and our part in spreading that gospel message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you catch the main thrust of what Paul is saying here to the Philippians? He's preparing the church for either eventuality, his coming for a visit, or his not getting to. And he's saying either way, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was to be their priority while they waited for his visit, and it's to be our priority as well. Well, just what are we waiting for? seems we're always waiting for something, doesn't it? We're waiting to take a trip. Um, Some of you, maybe you're waiting to complete your school year, or or to graduate from high school, or or to get your first real job, or, or maybe to get a different job, or to get married, to raise our families, or to retire, to die, or to see Christ return. And in all of that waiting, don't lose sight of this priority in life. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That had, had become Paul's priority in life. And that's why he could say, as we read earlier in chapter one, as he was sitting in prison, looking at his present circumstance, he could say, My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And, and that is an amazing perspective for him to have. And now he is calling us to that same perspective. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. More literally it would be worded this way, only conduct yourselves as citizens worthily of the gospel. And we who are Christians here today actually have, you might say, a dual citizenship. We are citizens of the United States of America and we're also citizens of heaven. And we are to live our lives in always cognizant of both and to live in such a way that we don't dishonor either. How do we do that? I I see three things here that Paul points out in this text that that are part of living our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, standing firm in the gospel. The uh, word for that here actually uh, might be translated standing firm or being, being steadfast, holding one's ground. Rennecker and Roger says, it's like the determination of a soldier who does not budge one inch from his post. Our son that is in the Army is now stationed in the Washington, D.C. area, and part of his ceremonial training has them stand perfectly still for an hour straight. That takes some serious determination. And that's for a non-combat ceremonial situation. When a warfare situation, a soldier may be assigned to guard a certain spot, and it's important that he not budge from it, that he steadfastly hold his position. And that's what Paul is telling the Philippians here that they need to do regarding what they believe. Hold your ground. Do not budge. We seem to have plenty of that going on around us these days, don't we? With people holding firmly on their perspectives on any number of political issues and their perspectives on masks and vaccines and so on. People on both sides of those issues are pretty convinced and unbudging. However, I will not condemn you if you end up changing your mind on some of those issues. There might be pros and cons for each of you to weigh regarding your life decisions. However, there is an area in which you must not budge, and that is regarding your belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and along with that, then, the vital need for everyone to come to believe in Jesus Christ or to face eternal condemnation. And Jesus Christ himself has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. His disciple Peter said, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven, among men by which you must be saved. Scripture seems pretty clear on that. And yet, in spite of that, a recent George Barna poll found that only 44% of self-identified born-again Christians believe that they'll someday go to heaven when they die only because they have confessed their sins and, and believed in Jesus as their Savior. Something seems terribly wrong with that picture. There's been some budging that's gone on. Paul says that that if we are to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must stand firm in our belief in Jesus being the only way of salvation for sinful mankind. And notice that he says here, though, we do that, and we do that not just individually, but together. Verse 27, standing firm in one spirit. The local congregation of believers is together to recognize that we are in a spiritual warfare situation and we are called to stand united in our belief in Jesus Christ as our only hope for forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven, no matter what the prevailing opinions around us are. <clears throat> and so standing firm, united in that, not budging from it, is part of living in our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, striving For the faith of the gospel. And this term, it implies action. Not just standing still, but actively engaged along with others, like in a battle or like in an athletic competition. The word means contending or struggling along with somebody. Like on the football field, where the teammates line up side by side, united with the goal of advancing the ball up the field. Verse 21 here says, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That is, all Christians together actively engaged in advancing the gospel. <clears throat> Mottier, in his commentary on this, says it's, it's like a church without passengers where no one is just along for the ride, where none are merely acquiescing. Rather, all are working striving together to spread the gospel message of salvation in Christ. And when that is the case, then the world is shown their true spiritual state and is pointed to the one and only source of hope, Jesus Christ. And so living in a manner worthy of the gospel involves standing firm in the gospel and working together to spread the gospel. And then thirdly, what we see here, not being frightened by your opponents of the gospel. And the word translated here, not frightened, means not being startled, frightened, or or, or terrified. Uh, The the picture with this word, um, Pastor Nick, you might appreciate this here, it's a a picture of a timid horse um, that's startled or frightened easily by things. Or, Or maybe even picture a stampede of frightened horses. And Paul is saying, don't be a timid horse. Don't be easily spooked by things around you. You know, as, as a teenager, um, we, we had one horse at a time, and, and uh, we had a horse named Ginger, um, that I would sometimes load up in the cattle trailer and take down to my uncle's place, uh, which was near the uh, Cheyenne River, and, and go riding with a brother and a, and a cousin. So three horses, um, we'd be riding together. And, and uh, there was this old bridge that went across the Cheyenne River that... Um, We would try riding across, and Ginger was timid and frightened by that bridge. It had some slight gaps between the boards. And I would try riding at a trot or even a gallop up to the bridge, and Ginger would always stop abruptly just before the bridge. And it was only if I would get off and walk in front, leading her with the reins, that she would go across. Paul says to the Philippians and to us today, don't be like that. Don't be startled by those things around you. As you are standing firm in what you believe about Jesus Christ, and as you are striving together to spread the gospel message, do so not startled or frightened by the ones who are opposing, by the ones that are lining up against you and against the gospel. You know, there are a lot of frightened people around us these days. It seems that the media and plenty of leaders of government and other areas uh, kind of thrive on stirring up fear. And you know, I, I have to say, I get tired of the fear-mongering in the news continually, and yet, sometimes, perhaps, I end up doing the same. As I'm alarmed by, by much of our, what's happening in our world around us as it's changing, and by the steady slide away from biblical values our nation was founded on. And every once in a while, there's some other indicator that just startles me and how far we have fallen. Maybe some of you can identify with that. Paul tells us that part of living in a manner worthy of the gospel is living not frightened by anything by your opponents. We are to expect opposition and even persecution if we are actively seeking to advance the Christian faith. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as, it, as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word which I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they will follow yours also. By all these things they will do to you on account of, of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. So we already expect to not be liked by the world. We are to expect persecution and and to take it in stride, not frightened by it. And and verse 28 says something very interesting here. It says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Now what is this? Well, people in the Christian community living without fear and constantly going along together, supporting each other as we go along in life, and, and then even facing death with confidence. Have you ever noticed that it really bugs the alarmists if we, join, if we don't join in with them in being alarmed? Whether that be about the coronavirus or climate change or race issues or the most recent actions of the government or, or the threat of runaway inflation or whatever the latest alarming headlines might be. Remember that those who do not know Christ have a perspective that this world is all that there is, and it's in danger of self-destruction, and we humans better take radical action right now. But the Christian can face all of those alarmists with a confidence that our lives and our world is in Almighty God's hands. And when this life is over, there's eternal life in heaven with the Lord. Well, our confidence is convicting for those that are not ready to face eternity. And and it leaves them then with this nagging thought of of, look what's going on, look at how they deal with this. Look what they're thinking. Maybe Christians are right in what they believe is true. So one last point here in verses 29 and 30 there it says that in connection with the gospel then it has been granted to you a couple of things here. that wording, it's been granted, It, it's saying it's your high privilege that has been given to you by God. What's been granted? Two things. One, to believe in him. Luther's catechism says it this way, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in God or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, it is because the Holy Spirit of God called you through his written word, and empowered you to believe. And that is a tremendous gift from God, which we ought to be grateful for each day. God has granted me, then, to believe and to be saved. Not everyone is saved yet, but praise the Lord, I am. And Paul says here, then, one other thing that has been granted to the Philippians and to us who are believers, and that is to suffer For his sake. Now wait a minute. Are you sure you read that right? We don't usually like to think of suffering as a gift, do we? In in the midst of suffering we don't usually think to ourselves, you know, I am so blessed not everybody gets to suffer like this. It seems backwards in what we think. But Paul is saying here that if we suffer because of what we believe, that is if we suffer in connection with the gospel, then that suffering is a sign to us that God's favor rests upon us. And so Christians here today, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. Keep uh, standing firm together in the gospel. Keep striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. And, and, And note in these verses overall here, the significant unity emphasis. I find it so sad to see that Satan seems to be using this pandemic to divide us in our country and also even to divide the Church of Jesus Christ. And we in the Church need to agree to disagree on secondary things and unite around the primary. What unites us? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I close with this quote from Pastor John MacArthur. He says, now is not the time to forsake our own assembling together. The church must be the church, a pillar and a buttress for the truth. We cannot cower in fear. We cannot hide our light under a bushel. We are not called to feed the fears of a world that is perishing. We have been commissioned to go into the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. And we are soldiers in a spiritual war. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 104 4-5. He goes on to say, It is past time for the Church of Jesus Christ to confront the prevailing falsehoods of a depraved society and to show hopeless people the way to true hope and abundant life. We are the Lord's ambassadors, and we must stand confidently in that role, with joy and not fear, in bold unity, and all the more as we see the day of Christ drawing near. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you tell us that we can live our lives with confidence, not not in ourselves, but confidence that, though we are sinners who have fallen far short of your glory, yet, there is forgiveness and there is hope in jesus christ lord we pray that you would be at work among us as a congregation that you would unite us in standing firm in that belief in striving together to spread that gospel message and lord that you would help us that we would not live in fear but we would be confident that in you all things are in your hands and that you are with us even if we endure times of persecution uh, for, for what we believe. Lord, we ask that you would have, have us be lights in this world pointing others to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray in, in his name. Amen.